you for joining. Okay, we are recording now. So I just want to let you know that um, your cameras are on. We are going to be recording and sharing this um, virtually um, and either by podcast or on Facebook. Um, so we do want to give you the option of turning off your camera because if you share, your picture will pop up. Uh, and sometimes it, it does a screen where everybody can be seen. So we just want to let you know, um, you can change your name if you want to change your settings, if you want to just put your first name there. Um, the chat is not viewed by everybody. So you have reign to write what you like in the chat. And that helps uh, Lamar and I, it engages with us. It helps facilitate the conversation. We love hearing from you. Uh, so having said that, I want to welcome a few people that we see that have um, joined us this morning. Uh, Lamar, do you want to help me out here? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, uh, of course, we have our European contingent here, and that's at least with the, uh, the ones we know of, uh, Bart and Rachel. Thank you so much for joining from Belgium. Uh, I trust you're there this weekend. I know sometimes you bounce over to uh, France and over to England for some of uh, Rachel's family. Uh, no, I see the ceiling. I recognize the roof. It's their house. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so. And then uh, kind of a, a polar opposite in the United States, I see Scott in here from uh, the great Pacific Northwest. Hopefully the rain has stopped, at least for this season. <laughs> so, good to see you, Scott. Uh, you're going to be integral to this discussion as we talk about victimhood. I, I know you as a licensed therapist have seen your fair share. Uh, we're anxious to get your, your cut on this. And so... Uh, again, uh, in the chat, get it warmed up, please. Um, your own personal chat there. Start taking a look at what everybody else is talking about. Look for encouragement there in the chat. But just to get us going, hey, where are you coming in from? Uh, I see Rodney coming in from the Big D. That's Dallas, Texas. For those of you who aren't familiar with, you know, the uh, the, the foreign country of Texas, uh, most likely to succeed. That's with ease, no use in there. And so, thank you, Rodney. Good to see you. Uh, Western Australia. Okay, Stephen, you just won the distance award. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that Australia is much further away than uh, than Belgium. So Bart, Rachel, you're out for this week. So, <laughs> But we also have Canada, honey, and Ohio, Pensacola, Florida, and our hometown, Jacksonville. Uh, love you, Tracy. So good to see you, sweetie. Um, it's, it's just beautiful from Washington, um, Austin, Texas, we're seeing Pacific Northwest. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to see everybody coming in and where you're coming in from. Keep that coming. Uh, we'd love to know where everybody is participating in from. And before we move forward, we, we are going to be talking about victim mentality. And so what we would like to do, Lamar and I would like to just share with you some things we've learned in our teaching experience and uh, facilitating groups, but we want to learn from you too. So if you can think about uh, at the beginning of this meeting or you know, while we're talking, an experience you had of working with someone that had a victim mentality, or maybe you're willing to share that you struggle with it. Uh, I prefer it not to be pointing a finger if your spouse has it. We don't want to go that route. But uh, if you struggle with it or if someone in your group has struggled with it, if you're willing to share just a little bit about it, if something resonates while we're talking um, at the end of, uh, of our just teaching segment, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Scott, I'd love to pick your brain because I know you see it in the clinic because this is a growing problem in society. The victim mentality is real. And so it's something that is not just infiltrating our culture, but it's in, it infiltrates our recovery and can um, absolutely sabotage a person's recovery and a group's recovery, too, if we're not careful. But before we go any further, honey, would you mind just opening us up in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for this team. God, thank you for this time that you, you bring us all together uh, each month. Uh, Lord, thank you for the ability next week to, to break off into the men's and the women's groups. Uh, even though next week it is going to be a co-ed event. So, Lord, we, we just appreciate the time that you give us. Uh, we appreciate the, the way that these folks consecrate these, these hours over to you, how we focus on you. Uh, we take these real-world problems, and we look at them through the lens of what would God have for us next with a firm understanding of where you've brought us out of. Uh, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, Thank Lamar, you. it's um, Alan in Tampa, and I actually have something to offer on this victim mentality thing i'd like to share if it's okay yeah absolutely alan we'll remember to we'll call on you first right when we get to that participation part right. alan would love to hear from you i thought you were doing it now my apologies no 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 it's perfect but i love your enthusiasm alan so i'm gonna 
just make note of that, that we, we uh, get to you right away. So thank you. That's fantastic. The first, because we actually might um, share something, Alan, that might help you um, in leading where the Holy Spirit wants to go with what you want to share. So uh, having said that, Lamar, let's just start off with just the pure basic definitions. What is a victim? Yeah, it's it's funny. A, a victim, uh, and, and of course, I've got my cheat sheet here, just in case anybody's wondering why I look off screen, it's because she's kind of the brains behind this operation, and uh, and I'm just the ugly face here. And so, uh, but it's anybody who has suffered from something outside of their control. Um, and just some examples, I, th I think folks are, are well aware of this. If you ha have been molested as a child, um, if you uh, raped, um, if you have been emotionally distressed because of your spouse's sexual integrity issues, okay, that is a victim. Um, now, those are the ones that we'll be talking about primarily here, but you also see victimhood in some of the lacks in life. And we talk about lacks in, in this context. We talk about where it is that maybe some parents didn't give you uh, some of the uh, of the TLC that, that maybe you, you needed, that definitely you needed. And, and I think as we think about victim mentality, as we frame this uh, in the context of thinking about our Heavenly Father, it can really change everything. And so, so that's kind of a victim definition. Why don't you walk us through victim mentality? Absolutely. And victim mentality is very different from victim. Victim, you have no control over. It's not a sin. If you've been molested, if you've been cheated on, that's not a sin. It is not your ownership. You take zero responsibility when you are the victim. Uh, but victim mentality is a different story. Victim mentality is when you start to embrace that as your identity, and you can use it to justify sinful behavior of your own. That's typically what we see when, when we see victim mentality. We see people that feel like they're in a hopeless situation and everything that's bad is going to happen to them. It's the, um, you have the extreme cases where it's the, woe is me, um, nothing is going to help me, you don't understand my circumstances, um, if only you knew. I mean, you do have those extreme uh, cases, but it can also be more subtle. It can be um, a, a lot more subtle than that. In fact, I subscribe that almost every victim at some point in time does have a little bit of victim mentality that we have to own and address. And so we're going to be talking about how sneaky it is how um, it infiltrates our recovery and how it can impact the group. So Lamar, can you share some examples of, of ways that you've seen victim mentality and working with the men? Yeah, absolutely. So victim mentality for someone who might be uh, still struggling with sexual integrity issues would be the notion that because of their life's circumstances, they deserve the, the high they might get, or they, they can explain their behavior by what happened to them. And there's a relative unwillingness to address that behavior. How about you? What have you seen? Yeah, um, I've seen it. I've seen it in men and women. Uh, a trend that I've noticed, and I've heard you speaking with the men that I've seen a lot, is they want the, the label. They actually want to be the label that they have an addiction or that they have ADHD or they're on the spectrum. Uh, they, and Scott, you probably are familiar with this. They come to you and they just they want a reason, an explanation for why they can't stop sinning. And it's, you know, what do they do with it after that? Are they looking for it? So then they can just say, well, that's just who I am. I have ADHD or I'm an addict. And once in that, I mean, that's, I, I can't help myself. Uh, is, is that the case? I see that with the men. I see that as in growing alarm, but I also see it with the women and the women, it comes in the form that they come into the groups and they want to vent. And they want to share how horrible their husband is and everything that they've done and how they're not taking recovery seriously. And they've just been, a, you know, a victim in this whole whole thing and they don't do the work. Uh, so they they use the, the session to be a venting session as opposed to uh, a place to heal. And when you have people come together, that that one person can uh, start a chain reaction, Lamar, like a rotten apple effect. When one woman starts, hey, you know, I got to tell you how bad my husband was this week. The next woman's going to be like, oh, no, not as bad as mine. And that's just a natural reaction that you see with the women. And that can be very toxic. So that's why it's very important that as leaders, we identify it. We set boundaries in place for our groups and we address it right away. And we'll be talking about that towards the end of what we're teaching, the exact how-to steps that we can deal with this. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. Our, our good buddy James from the Tampa area, he just weighed in. And this is something that we were absolutely going to mention. But James, you know, he, he, he races to it. So thank you so much for bringing this piece up. But James says that they truly don't want to heal because then they could they would stop getting the attention from their victimhood. And yes. uh, we often like to think of it, in, 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 at least in the, the, uh, the sexual sin, sexual stronghold circles where the guys are struggling, it's almost like a little pet. And you think you think about that little that little animal that they're holding on to, and they're just they're just always petting it, um, and, and they're just always yeah. But you don't understand my situation. I mean, I've got this, and and it cannot be rectified. And it just it it, it is a like like Scott said, it's a behavior justification method, and it really gets guys stuck. And I say guys, I mean I, I'm going to speak to the men. I'm going to let Christina speak to the ladies. Uh, as kind of electric fence for me, to, just to be honest, <laughs> at some points, especially as someone who's in recovery. And so I, I just, I, I love to think of that little pet that guys just want to keep on holding on to it. Uh, this is something that, that I, I cannot let go of. I cannot imagine my life without this. And they just keep, they keep on stroking it. And, yeah. And sorry to use a lot of those analogies. If that's triggering for people, <laughs> over to you. And so let's address that later. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about other traits that that we have commonly seen. Um, And I say seen, Lamar, I guess this is confession hour here. You and I both can admit that we have had victim mentality ourselves uh, in recovery. And it wasn't brought to my attention until much later into my recovery that I started realizing that victim mentality had seeped through into our relationship and had hurt our intimacy. So we were... um, obviously separated. We came back together. Uh, We were doing recovery. Everything was good, but there was still something wrong. And I realized what I had been doing, uh, he was working on his own recovery, meeting with the men, doing the Bible study, and just doing everything he's supposed to. I was doing my work. Uh, but But where I missed was that I had opened the portal to allowing this victim mentality into my life. I justified snapping at him. You know, well, I I snapped, but at least I didn't sleep with another man. Um, I justified withholding intimacy. Well, I mean, if he was going to just self-please himself anyway, why do I? I I started justifying some very subtle behaviors. I don't have to do this because I'm not the adulterer. I don't have to do this because my sin isn't as great as his sin. I started minimizing my sin and and then only focusing on his sin. And I started seeing those things and it was destroying our intimacy and it was affecting our emotional connection and our physical connection as well as, and, and as well as our spiritual connection. So it wasn't until we watched stronger together uh, when we were doing the filming of this. Um, and I highly encourage you to, to tell your, tell your teams to watch this uh, if they struggle with this, that it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, Whoa, okay. I thought this was all about Lamar's issue. I I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff that I I still have some healing I got to deal with because I'm holding on to some victim mentality. So how about you, babe? Yeah, you know, I'll offer this, but God rich in mercy. And and I say that because there's a punchline here. And there's, there's a lot of discussion right now about where the struggles have been, where we've seen others struggle, uh, our own struggles, but specifically here, we're going to be talking out of John 5 and then the whole book of Jonah about victim mentality. And I just want to encourage folks, if, if you need to go ahead and get a little, a little head start there, uh, getting into that, uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, two episodes where Christ was super straightforward. Uh, I say Christ, I, that was in John 5 where he was actually there, and then God dealing with Jonah. And so... Um, but these these pieces, the way they fall in, we're all on this pathway, and some of us are on the sexual sin, sexual stronghold pathway, and maybe we've used our victim mentality to justify that path. Um, most of us here in this group can recognize where that path leads. Maybe you're here, maybe you're just joining a leadership meeting because you're unaware and you got the invite and you're thinking, man, I just, I just need something in recovery. Well, you're in the right spot because you got a bunch of folks in the chat here that want to help you. Uh, you also have two folks on the screen that that love you, even though we barely know you. And so the pathway leads to death and destruction. And I'm talking about spiritual death. I'm talking about physical death. Um, I'm, I'm talking about emotional death of your relationships. 
and and the and the victim piece can play a huge piece a huge part of that if you're the victim justifying your sin obviously that's something that that needs to be addressed if you're the victim that is is justifying your continued sin in recovery because your mate did what they did that's a whole different justification but still bears another discussion and so i just want to encourage you that god wants to do something about this go ahead honey yeah. So, Lamar, could you help the guys here and perhaps share how you struggled with victim mentality? Because that might help them relate and see that maybe it might um, show them something they haven't recognized in themselves. Right. My, my victim mentality always uh, was born of this notion that I'm giving everything I possibly can. I mean, I'm, I'm going to work every day. I'm providing for the family. I'm coming home. Um, I was never one of those guys that came in and just threw my feet up on the lazy boy and turned on the TV and, and demanded my third beer within 20 minutes. I just wasn't that guy. Um, to me, it was always second shift. It was always come in, let's, let, let's grab the kids, let's, let's play, let's do that kind of stuff. Um, let, let's try to engage. Um, and in the very few moments in our lives where Christina didn't give me what I thought that I deserved, that kind of started to gnaw at me a little bit. And I say the very few moments because the overwhelming majority of our marriage was, was wonderful. But the enemy gets in, in those few moments. The enemy is in the cracks, I, I, I like to believe. The enemy is the one saying in your ear like, yeah, you see that behavior right there? You don't, you don't deserve that. You deserve so much more than that. And so for me, it was the long road down uh, pornography. It was the long road down you know, flirting at the water fountain. It was the long road down um, emotional affairs, strip clubs, physical affairs. And then a sense of, you know what, I can never make her happy again. So I'm just going to go ahead and separate from the family and just do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. Um, and then for, for those that don't know, one of my affair partners was killed. Uh, attempt was made on my life. And so that's what I mean about the, the physical death that lies at the end of these pathways. Um, but it was all justified through that victim mentality of I'm not getting what I need from my wife and my family. And so that is, that, that's our story of victimhood. Yeah, so you can see why we're very passionate about this and why we feel compelled to uh, teach about it. Um, so we want to talk about other traits that you might see. It might not be um, as uh, apparent as the, you know, just someone that is, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Uh, but you will see things like uh, a person that says they have no control over their situation that they're powerless, they're helpless. I hear that a lot of time with women, Lamar. Um, I can't leave. I don't have a job. I have no place to go. And those are legitimate things. But then when it's time to start problem solving, they don't want to do that. They want to stay in that place of just complaining that they can't leave and they have no place to go. And, and that's when you realize that that's the problem that we have to be addressing. Um, another thing that we see is there's no accountability for their own recovery. It's all their spouse's fault. Do you see that uh, with, with some of the men you work with? Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, we'll get guys that have been caught red-handed either through being exposed um, by, by God, exposed by their wives, their kids, the, the cloud, wh whatever that looks like for them. And then there's this sense of indignance, but you don't understand, I deserve this. And oh, by the way, I'm going to hold on to some of those old feelings I might have for either an affair partner or the glamorization of, of a sin lifestyle, the pornography, whatever that looks like. And I'm not willing to let go of it because what would I be without it? And what would my life be without it? Can God really do what he says he can do for me? Absolutely. Uh, another trait that you might see is they won't take personal responsibility for anything. And by anything, I'm not talking about the affair. And when I work with women, I'm talking about any offense, any brokenness in the marriage. You could be three, four years out removed from the porn use or the infidelity or the sexual sin, and everything is still his fault. Nothing would have happened if it wasn't because of the affair. Everything always comes back to the infidelity. Uh, that That is very toxic, very po poisonous. That's something that I was guilty of doing. Uh, it was almost as if Lamar didn't have a leg to stand on anymore. And that's not the picture of the marriage God has uh, in design for recovery. Uh, that, that, that's unhealthy. If a man doesn't feel like he can sanctify his wife, 
I'm not talking about a week after infidelity. I'm talking about years down the road when you have both received some recovery and a man can't sanctify his wife. She, he can't hold her feet to the fire. We got a problem. And, and the wife isn't willing. We got a problem. And we realized that we would do this exercise uh, and it was a communication tool that we learned and we would share, you know, gratitudes and then we would share concerns and he'd always pass. He would never share anything that was a concern in what I did. I always had a list ready, but he would just say, I pass. He would take a knee because he didn't feel like he had a leg to stand on that he could point out anything that I did wrong since he had had an affair. It was like that sin trumped everything. So I had a free pass to point out all his sins and he couldn't point out anything in mine, uh, in my life. Not a good place to get stuck. Yeah, and I think that's wonderful. I want to call attention to one thing that Jill said in the chat. Um, if, if folks need to scroll back up to it, go ahead. But uh, Jill C., she so so kindly and gently uh, sh shined a light on some folks that are victims that look at it as, hey, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and, and I really don't have this sense that I necessarily need to change some of my behaviors. Um, listen, for guys that have struggled with a sexual sin, sexual stronghold, um, Typically, when you get run over by the grace train, you understand that that it's a great way to make a big change that you desperately need. And so I, I, I would suggest that this is more for folks that have been seriously wronged in their relationships. And that could be when you were young, maybe you were molested, uh, maybe you were raped as a teenager. Um, but but you're, you're again, you're just holding that and you're continuing to, to pet that that notion of I'm a victim. And so, yes, the Lord saved me, but I get to hold on to this. Christina, what do you think? No, I completely uh, agree with Jill. We're, and we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, why it's so dangerous. And that is a very dangerous, uh, when, when people say I'm just a sinner saved by grace and there's no repenting, that, that's what you see. They're blind to their own sin. So they don't see that they need rescuing from sin. So they really don't need a savior. I mean, they just, it's just, a, it's a spiritually very dangerous to be in. Um, there's, it's it's essentially, um, I'm not to blame. I have nothing to take responsibility for. Everyone else is to blame. So I don't have to repent. And Jill and I have had wonderful conversations about the power of, you know, when you confess your sins, it also involves repenting and turning away. And we've talked about it here in group. So um, yeah, without those factors, th this is why it becomes so dangerous. So thank you, Jill, for pointing that out for sure. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'd love to launch into our discussions uh, from John 5. I'll let you go first in that, and then I, and I'll tackle some Jonah stuff here. Sure, absolutely. So John 5 is one of my favorite stories. It's the man uh, at Bethesda uh, at the fountain, and he is a paralyzed man. He's laying on a mat, and he's been laying there for 38 years. And Jesus comes along, and he says, hey, you know, do you, do you, do you want to be healed? And he has excuses like right at his fingertips ready. Well, I have no one to get me in the pool and everyone else is skipping in line because the, the story went that uh, the angel would touch the water and the first person in the water would get the healing. He could never be the first one in. And so he had all these excuses. Everyone's gotten in front of me. And, 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 you know, but that's not what Jesus asked. Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? That's a yes or no question. And he had all of these excuses ready. And, it, and it's very interesting. Um, I find it you know, fascinating that th then when he said, okay, take up your mat and walk. I love that because I, it would have been so much easier Lamar, to just leave the mat behind, right? It was filthy. It was dirty. It was disgusting. But he didn't. He said, take it up and walk. And I, and I personally believe that he was holding on to his victim mentality. He was holding on to his hopelessness. He was holding on to putting his faith in a lie that he was going to get healed being first in the water, as opposed to his faith in Jesus. Um, so he had this whole victim mentality. Uh, and, and so I think that that's why Jesus said my, my own personal opinion, take up that mat. You're not going to hold on to that anymore. You're not, you're not a victim anymore. And if you think you are a victim, look at that mat. You're not on it anymore. It's dirty. It's disgusting, but it's not your identity. You've been healed. So it's time to use this as a platform to share what I have done in your life. But the story goes on. And this is the part I think that is absolutely fascinating. The man take, you know, goes off and uh, Jesus sees him again. And he finds him in the temple and, and says to him, see, 
you are well, but sin no more. So nothing worse may happen to you. I, I think we, we don't realize that part of the story. Sin no more. Well, what had the man been doing? He'd been laying on a mat for 38 years. It's not like he could be go out murdering. He couldn't be going out having affairs. I mean, what was he doing that, that Jesus was addressing? Was it sin from before he was on the mat? Was he older than 38? We really don't know. But what we do know in the story is that he had all those excuses. Is, is Jesus calling that out? That victim mentality is perhaps maybe he's calling that out. Like, hey, that's a sin. Those are excuses. You're, you're not a victim. You are my beloved child. And, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, this is just me speculating, but I, I find that to be very interesting. Uh, and there's stories all over the Bible about people that have victim mentality. Lamar, you, you picked one that I love as well. Which one did you pick? I, you know, the, the, the man of Bethesda has, has a, a, a fairly happy ending um, for the individual compared to Jonah. Now, Jonah has a, a great happy ending for the city of Nineveh. And so, which it, it kind of rolls back into God will have his glory and God will have his point made. And, and whether or not the individual can recognize that glory, it's, it's kind of immaterial. Um, but he will be glorified. And so with Jonah, you know, Jonah is this, this prophet and, and, and God says to him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them about me and let them know they need to repent. <laughs> Jonah uh, immediately says, negative, I'm not feeling that, Lord. I'm going to turn around and head the other way. And I'm going to try and get out of Dodge and really go the exact opposite way from Nineveh. And so he jumps on a boat. Of course, the Lord throws a big storm at the boat. And this is uh, the first piece of Jonah's victimhood where he says, hey, you know, just, just throw me over. It's just better if I'm dead. And so throw me over. It'll calm the seas. It's me. It's because of my sin. That's why we're in this gigantic storm on this boat heading exact opposite away from where God told me to go. Clearly, I should die. And of course, they, they, they pitch him. And these guys all came to, came to God after they pitched him overboard. Read the story. It's fantastic. It's super short. You'll love it. And so Jonah gets swallowed up by this fish, this divine fish, if you can think about that, that God sends his way. And he spends three days and three nights in that fish. He has a relative come to Jesus moment, even though he never fully repents. He does recognize that this, the, uh, the sovereignty of God at some point has a hard time getting over himself if you truly read it. And of course, the fish winds up uh, expelling, to put it politely, spits him back up on the shore right at Nineveh, where he was supposed to be in the first place. And of course, Jonah, still the reluctant prophet, still the reluctant servant of Christ, goes to Jonah, says one sentence to the city, basically tells them to repent, and they have X amount of days. And the whole city, it seems, comes to Christ. I say comes to Christ, they come to God, okay? Jonah, of course, is still a little bit hurt about all this, and he's still questioning God. Why are you doing this? How come you saved this entire city? They're evil, they're nasty. And so he goes up to a hill, and he kind of sits up on the hill, still talking about, I would do better to be dead. So, Lord, just, just go ahead and take me. And this is where God says, do you do well to be angry? And I think it's the second time that he says this, that, that you really start to recognize that Jonah just cannot get over the situation. And this is where, you know, the story just kind of ends up on the hill. There's a little bit about where he gives him some shade and then he takes it away. Uh, Jonah gets burned up. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating read when you look at it from the perspective of Jonah being a victim and the Lord trying to do these wonderful things in his life. And, and hoping that he can recognize when God's at work and the glory behind that and how it's available even to Jonah. Uh, we're not really certain at the end of Jonah what even happens to the man. And so it, it's not necessarily the, the, the wonderful uh, story of grab your mat, go on, sin no more. It's really a story of, of despair from Jonah. Because even though the Lord does this incredible work in saving this city, Jonah can't even recognize it because he's still so wrapped up in the me in himself. He's in his own little bubble. Yeah. I, I see so many characteristics in Jonah of uh, someone with victim mentality. Uh, he argues with God. He um, He's resentful, bitter, unforgiving towards the people of Nineveh. He wallowed in self-pity. He was a complainer and negative. He, uh, you know, he just made his problems so much bigger and exaggerated them. 
Um, he made God responsible for his happiness he, and he refused to take responsibility for his own sin. Like Lamar said, he never really fully confessed or repented. Uh, and he was jealous. He was also jealous of Nineveh's blessing. And the other big thing that I see, Lamar, another um, characteristic, he made everything about him. He couldn't see past himself. And and that is that is sadly, this is a pride issue because pride blinds you and you you cannot see. And, and that's what makes this so tricky, Lamar. So when we are working with people um, that struggle or that have this victim mentality and we see that it's hurting them, it can be very tricky. Mm -hmm. uh, but we but, but we have to recognize, first of all, the dangers behind it. Right. I mean, wh why is this so dangerous? Um, when we have someone in our group with this victim mentality, first of all, they will get stuck. They cannot move on and get recovery if they don't address this victim mentality first. They will be held hostage to their situation. Um, some other things that we need to, to realize is um, their initiative. They're, they won't have any initiative to move forward because they can't see what's holding them back. Mm -hmm. And they become blind. They've gone blind to their blessings because all they can see is the offense of the person that hurt them, the perpetrator. That's all they can see. So they start losing uh, sight of the blessings in their life, which can be very dangerous. Um, and victim mentality, like I said before, it's a form of pride. And essentially what does pride do? It alienates us from God and it alienates us from our community that we have for healing. So those are some of the dangers of it. So what do we do? I mean, this is where we're going to need your help, everyone. I mean, we, we have some ideas and we want to talk through some things um, that we have tried, but we also want to find out from you um, what has helped you in your group or with yourself and your healing. Uh, how do you address this? What, what do you do? Because if they're blind to it, it's not like it's obvious. And if you ask them, do you want to be healed? They'll probably have excuses. So what do you do from there, Lamar? Yeah, this is super interesting. And one thing I want to, I want to kind of lay some ground rules, please, on this. I don't want it to be kids soccer where we all run to the microphone or all run to the ball at one time. We're going to space the field. Um, the first people we'll call on will be Alan and then Kristen uh, because they mentioned they had something to say. And then if you need to ask a question here, uh, recognize that you're going to be on the camera um, as you go to talk. Uh, if you would please, though, do the, the virtual hand raise, you can find that down at the bottom of your screen. Uh, and that way we can identify the folks. I don't have the whole video of everybody on my screen at one time. And so, but one thing I do want to say before Alan gets going here is victim mentality is contagious in a group. And that's why it's imperative as leaders that we can identify it very early. We can, we can lovingly walk people through it uh, so they can see and they can make a decision. Some folks are going to self-select. Some of the folks that are lifelong victims that, that cannot see their way through it, they're going to self-select out of your group because uh, when you don't tolerate it, they don't they no longer have that ability to, to just you know pet their uh, their little issue anymore. Yeah. When, and when he, and when Lamar says self-select, I get I get what you're saying, Lamar, because the way um, that we tend to uh, deal with this is if someone is coming to your group and they are just venting, 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 and you shut that down. Or if you say we this group isn't going to be for venting, that's going to be for a time with your private counselor. That's not what we're here to do. And if you shut that down and, and or allow venting and just say, okay, you have two minutes, get everything off your shoulders. What, I mean, whatever you decide to do with your group, but establishing those boundaries and then say, okay, you're going to vent, but then you're going to problem solve. Now we're going to talk about, okay, you have the problem and we'll brainstorm as a group. If you want help from the team here, no one's going to tell you what to do, but we can come up with ideas of what maybe they might do. And so um, that is typically when you do that. For some people with victim mentality, they don't want solutions. They just want to hear, woe is you. That sounds horrible. That I can't believe it. That is, they're looking for that empathy. It almost feeds the disease. It almost feeds the sickness, that victim mentality when they're with people that are just, you know, just stroke them, just saying, you poor thing, that is horrible. And yes, we're supposed to have empathy as leaders, but in cases like this, empathy could be actually more damaging. If you over empathize with someone with victim mentality, they're getting fed exactly what they're looking for. So if you empathize, that's okay, but then hold their feet to the fire. Now, what are we going to do about this? And that's the self-selection. They might flee. 
they might say, yeah, this isn't for me. I, I just want a place where I can just complain and whine and have someone cry with me. Um, and that's where they can go, go to Scott. No, I'm just kidding, Scott. I won't send them your way. <laughs> All right, Alan. So good for you to join us, man. Uh, greetings from the, uh, the west side of Florida. How goes it, my good sir? It's going well. It's going well. Um, yeah, when you mentioned this topic, I, I can't tell you how many guys uh, I've seen in group, when they start to realize the roots of their addiction, which invariably involves less than perfect family of origin, it's easy to start casting blame and to go down that road of uh, <clears throat> victimhood. And, and we do not support that. Um, and it's unfair. I tell the guys, it's really unfair. You got a bad set of cards, really bad hand. And um, what has happened in your life with the sexual acting out is exactly what would happen and should happen to any normal human being who's been through what you've been through. But it's not an excuse, man. What we say in group is, it ran in my family until it ran into me. Hmm. And we instill, a, I almost want to use the word lust, but a, just an incredible drive for these guys to be where it stops and to really take their healing journey seriously, recognizing the impact that that will have, you know, like the Bible says to the third and the fourth generation, their legacy is on the line and they have an opportunity to um, stop the train of abuse that's run in their family for generations and just do a miracle of good, you know, for the future. And um, we find that that message does a lot to help them kind of go all in. And I just wanted to share that. Alan, I, that was fantastic. And I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, as long as we get stuck in that place, men and women, that this happened to us and we get stuck there. This happened to us. This has happened to us. And that's what you hear in society. This happened to me. This happened to me. Yeah. As opposed to, wait a minute, what if this is actually God doing something for you to break exactly. generational curses? What if it's to build a stronger generation? What if it's to stop the curse? What if it is to make you the Christian man that he designed you to be, to set you free? What if it's to make you the godly Christian wife and to, and to sanctify the marriage and have you have this incredible intimacy to show the world? What if that's the reason? If, and if you change that yeah. mindset and it's not to us, but for us, if all, all bets are off. Yeah. Sometimes when I pray the guys out, I'll paraphrasing now because, you know, what happens in group stays in group, but it's my mm -hmm. prayer. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I usually say something like, Lord, uh, you know, thank you for our difficult and broken lives, forcing us to live through the crucible of neglect, abandonment, abuse that some of us have suffered. We know that that's part of your plan. And it was your way of sculpting us into the men that you always designed us to be from the moment you knitted us in our mother's womb. Please give us the strength to fulfill the mission and the plan that you have for us in our lives, you know, now and into the future, amen. And, you know, I think a lot of us get it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Thank Alan. You. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you so much, Alan. Christians. Uh, Go ahead, Alan. I'm just going to shut off my camera. Okay. Kristen, I think you had mentioned earlier that you'd like to, uh, to jump in here with something, if you'd like to share. Kristen C. Yes. Uh, I, I led a group uh, for women, and actually all of our spouses were doing Warpath, Conquer Series, Seven Pillars. They're all, they've, all the men have been involved for over years. Um, however... Uh, this group, uh, one of the women, she, she did shift blame. She, she'd say, um, you know, I I'm gaining weight and that's not my fault. You know, he always thinks I'm fat and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, she, it got to the point to where she was, uh, she was of course venting and she was wanting so much that sympathy that she would text our group 
And she would say, I told my husband to hide all the guns and I just can't, I don't want to be alive anymore. For us, that's like a 911 situation. If they have a plan, we are to, you know, get authorities on the phone, keep them talking to us. However, I did not, um, bear with me. Sorry. Um, my sons are walking in the door. I'm sorry. Uh, I did not uh, see that text. However, my co-lead did see that text. And um, so when she responded, it was about 30 minutes later, my co-lead Kate, who I believe is on the call with her husband, Brent, um, she reached out and she said, what's going on? And and this woman said, oh, nothing, you know, just hanging out because she did not get the response from the one person in group that is the empathetic bleeding heart. Oh, that's, you know, and trust me, we all give grace. We all have empathy, but uh, when it comes to pulling, you know, for sympathy and she had no healing, she wasn't in it to heal, you know, um, but that was apparent later. Um, but uh, yeah, she, she would threaten suicide and then she wouldn't get the response from the person that would dote on her and say, Oh, that's terrible. You know what? Everything you're, it's so hard. And, and when she didn't get that, she, Oh, I'm fine. You know? And, and that's the thing is, is she actually, one of our women left, one of our women left the group. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you because this is fantastic. This scenario you're sharing. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for your leadership. Uh, I appreciate you helping the women um, that are hurting. Uh, This is a fantastic case scenario and we have an expert here. So I would love to, um, uh, put Scott on the spot here. Yeah, Scott, if you were to have something like this happen, if you were leading group and, and people had a text thread and someone threatened suicide and, you know, just, you know, looking for that attention and didn't get it and they really didn't follow through, what would be the follow through with you? What would, how would you handle this situation? Sure. Yeah. Get them help right away. 911 is, is an important thing. We had a, a couple, one of my favorite couples and she spent the night in jail um, not, not in a suicide thing, but she was the one with wanting the guns and the, um, so de- domestic violence and control. So there's a word that I learned it's DARVO and I'm, I don't know, does anyone know what DARVO is? It's yeah. You, you, you deny, you attack, you reverse the victim and the offender role. And so you're, you're trying to get attention. A lot of times I say, you know, uh, drama is trauma without a voice. So if there's a lot of things going on, yeah, there's trauma that needs to be addressed. But if you're not willing to address it and you turn it over and you make your partner the victim um, or you're looking for sympathy and, and things like that, yeah, maybe maybe you do need to spend some time either in a medical facility. I did in the PTSD ward and for suicide. And that's where I got my help. So it just intensifies. It goes up. And rather than dealing with it yourself, you don't have to turn it over to God, turn it over to the authorities. Um, and they'll get the help that hopefully they need rather than medication. Yeah. I had someone as well, uh, Scott and Kristen, that shared with me in group uh, that she had just bought rope. And and it was actually a couple's group. And she bought the rope. And her husband was right there. And she was walking out her plan. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too much. Kristen, just like you, like, wait just a second. You have a plan. And, you know, I consulted with my uppers and, and what was advised was they needed some individual counseling, that that toxicity could be very uh, harmful for the group, that they weren't ready for group therapy. And it wasn't that I was abandoning them. I helped find them the help that they need. It just wasn't in that group environment yet. Um, it was too toxic. And, and we did uh, we did hook her up with a very good counselor, one that my husband and I saw um, for premarital stuff after we got married. And she's excellent. She's family oriented. However, she saw her once and she was like, yeah, I think she gets me. And then the throughout the next couple months, she's like, oh, she keeps canceling. I'm not seeing her. So she kind of sloughed off the counseling as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we tried. <laughs> we did. We, we, we are not God and we are not meant to fix people. And I cannot say that enough in these leadership meetings. It is not our job to play God and is not our job to fix people. That is not a weight that our heavenly father wants to put on our shoulders. We are here to walk beside them. We are here to be a voice 
for them, but it, we, we can't fix everyone. Um, Scott, I am going to bring you back just for a second because we had a few people asking about that acronym. Could you could you spell that out again? Explain that a little bit? Sure, I just typed it out in there. Um, yeah, too. So DARVO is deny, attack, reverse the victim and offender role. So instead of me being the victim, or me, instead of me being the offender, I become the, the victim and then I turn it over to the other person. So it's power and control. It's really domestic violence. Um, oh, gas lamping, lighting, gas lighting, you know, same, same thing. It's, it's avoiding my own responsibility, you know, and, and people need to take responsibility for their actions. And that's where the start is, finding out that I have a problem first, admitting I have a problem, and then being willing to get some help. You can't steal, steer a parked car or a boat at anchor you know, you have to be all in, not half measures that doesn't cover it. You, you got to be all in. I don't know if I'm answering or I'm shooting up the wrong tree or. No, I think it's spot on because we actually had someone ask what to do, what to do when I'm the husband and the one who has caused the pain, but I had the victim mentality, not my wife. So this goes hand in hand with what you're talking about, correct? Yeah. So the, oh, sorry. I saw Lamar's finger. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. So, um, yeah, one guy, he had no idea why it starts as a moral problem and then it's a brain problem if you watch the videos. And then he says, now I know how to answer my wife. I got scalloping on the brain, you know? And, and so he had an understanding that, you know, I have a brain problem now. I need to do something about it. You know, so he, he needed to understand. He didn't understand why he kept, why he kept returning to the vomit, you know, and, and repeating over and over again. He was stuck too. But now he has a, a plan or, or a direction to head into it is, filling in those potholes in your brain, you know, with God's word and goodness, whatever is holy, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, rather than, um, you know, seeding poison or, or dandelions, he's, he's learning to fill the gaps in his brain with, with uh, God's word, rather than say, you know, say curse God and die, which is, I think, you know, Darvo in um, Jonah's life, maybe from his wife. So. Amen, man. Th thank you, Scott. And, and thank you, Kristen. Um, I, I just want to add one thing here. And this is uh, for the gentleman who said, you know, what about, I, I think it's a, a friend Gunner here. Uh, what about me as the guy who did what I did, but I feel like the victim. And one of the ways to get away from that victim mentality, and you can find this in Warpath. Again, Warpath is one of the studies on soul refiner. Uh, that's where Christine and I work. Uh, shameless plug here. Not, 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 not going to hide from that, but in Warpath, there are some exercises in the beginning of Warpath in some of the first few episodes that will drive a man to sit down and write out some of these letters and also to perform some two chair exercises that can truly help you with some of the victim mentalities that might be out there. If you are the guy that was tied up in sexual sin and sexual stronghold, if you had the sexual integrity issues somewhere along the way, you slipped into a victim mentality. Otherwise, you might just be a sociopath or psychopath. And I get those mixed up, much like I get Jonah mixed up. Somebody got, gave me some theological guidance there. I appreciate that with Jonah. But uh, if, if I screw up some of these terms, man, uh, just know that my wife is actually the one who went to school for this, not me. And, and so, so. Um, with that said, the next person I want to go to, James, I'm going to hold you and wait really quickly because Brian was asking before he could get his hand raised. And so, uh, Brian E., good to see you, man. What, what's up? Well, I'm uh, kind of coming from a little different perspective here. I'm not currently leading a, uh, a group, but um, in my day life, I'm a business coach and I deal with uh, this stuff on a fairly regular basis in that realm. And um, ironically, a third to half of my clients are believers. I'm not sure quite how that happened, but, um, and so I, I can use stained glass or plain glass and still give the same message, but the, um, do I have the ability to share a screen here? Is that, uh, is that I, I don't think so. Okay. There's a, um, an acronym that we like to, I like to use. And by the way, the, the principle here, I, I think might be helpful to some groups is manage during periods of non-conflict in that, in other words, if you bring this stuff up beforehand, uh, then you're not having to cut somebody off and say, well, we don't, you're venting now. Um, but if you, if you kind of start your group on, on a, um, with kind of some ground rules, it, um, it's helpful. And there's, we, we talk about um, being a victor or being a, a victim. 
in, um, in, in my world. And um, we say there's, there's a, a decision line and you can either be above the line or below the line. And above the line, we use the acronym PROVE. It's uh, proactive, responsible, ownership, visionary, and excellence. And BENS is below the line and that's um, uh, blame, entitlement, negativity, uh, denial and scarcity. And the, an important one there is denial because somebody that is thinking below the line doesn't think they're, they're below the line. They're, they think, oh, that's great for Sally. She's really, she's really, no, you're below the line. You don't even see it. And what, what's helpful is in, in like in a, in a corporation, when I, when I go in and I do these presentations, uh, you're, I'm a coaching a, you know, a client. He said, look, you know, come in and, we're, and talk about some of these things. I'll, t- I'll add this on the end of it of the, of the um, discussion. And what it does is it creates a vocabulary. And so, because if I say to you, you know, we're around the, the water crew and I say to you, well, you're kind of being negative. Well, that's a negative statement. But if I say to you, let's keep it above the line, that's encouraging. And so, but by, by starting off that way, you, you can, um, you set up vocabulary in place. I, I, nothing to do with this, but a pastor friend of mine, he, he said, um, you know, he said sometimes he, he would start off a, um, a business meeting by saying, you know, sometimes we, uh, we get going down a rabbit hole. It's time to shoot the rabbit. Well, later on in the meeting, if you start, if you start getting sidetracked, you say, let's shoot the rabbit and everybody has a chuckle and nobody gets offended. Well, it's the same way here is they say, well, let's keep it above the line because we've already created that vocabulary ahead of time. Anyway, I just as a, I thought I'd throw that out to you. That's Brian, awesome. That's awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for his comments. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put the PROVE acronym into the chat. Put the, I think it's BENS, you said. And then uh, we just had a question from Jody about, can you define above line and below the line? So if you could um, if you could just jot that down for us, man. This is great profit sharing among leaders. Um, Actually, if, you've got, if you have an email you want me to send it to, I can send you a... Um that you can distribute to everybody. It's just a PowerPoint with, with that one slide that, and it awesome. does everything. Awesome. I'll, I'll make sure you get that email. Christine, if you can drop that in the chat for me, please. I don't really have access to the keyboard right now. So thank you so much. Uh, baby, before we go to James, anything you want to add here? No, I, I think it is uh, using different vernacular absolutely is help, helpful because if, if you hear person people say, I'm the victim uh, versus I'm a trauma survivor, or I have PTSD versus I have post-traumatic success. That's actually a term that's now being used as opposed to getting stuck. It's a disorder, it's a, it's a mentality. Um, changing the word does matter. Changing the vocabulary does matter. I think labels are extremely dangerous. And when we're throwing around all these labels all the time, um, I think that's why people get stuck. So I, I love that. And I'm very curious because I've seen James nodding his head and I think he's got something great to share. So James, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much. I just had a quick insight. Um, I've had a couple of victims um, as I've been leading groups and I found a common denominator I just wanted to share, which is um, they had deep unforgiveness for themselves and it caused them to that mentality that, well, you know, what God has is for everybody else, but it's not for me. So they have deep shame. And so um, going, trying to get, like you mentioned, Lamar, the, uh, the war path, that forgiveness where you, you're in the chair and uh, you put yourself in the chair and you forgive yourself, really doing the forgiveness work has really helped uh, in that. So just a, just a strategy um, to, I mean, it's basically the core issue, you know, that, that they just can't, believe that God's promises are for them, you know? Amen. Man, thank you so much, James. And by the way, James, he's a future uh, guest here on either one of these leadership meetings or one of the men's uh, mission briefs. Uh, James is one of my absolute treasured partners here. He's in the state of Florida as well. Um, thank you so much, man. It is good to see you. And as always, your input is invaluable. And so, Brian, I see you populating these, uh, these acronyms left and right, man. Uh, take a look at that chat. Also, you'll find uh, my email address there. Uh, you, can all, you can also include Christina on a CC just so we can both get it. Um, I appreciate all of you, men. So um, I just want to, to, to really kind of shroud this one more time with, with Scripture and, and with, with good, godly, I'm talking about Jesus-based theology. I don't care... I don't care if you're Assembly of God, uh, Baptist, Methodist. Um, by the way, I don't really care who gets to the white meat. 
you know, on Sunday morning after service. I, I, I don't care at the, at the chicken shack, all right? What I do care about is surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and I want to just ensure that folks understand where we come from, from a perspective of we've probably tried to do this our entire lives. We have probably tried to, 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 to break away from sexual sin, sexual stronghold. And I'm talking about the men that used to struggle. Um, and we couldn't do it. And it took Jesus getting in the middle of this, us allowing him to heal us from the inside out. Um, so I want to let you know, regardless of where you might find yourself in that victim mentality uh, spectrum, that uh, he, he wants you to be healed. and He loves you. And he's a good dad. And he loves his kids so much. And so uh, and if you have uh, issues about that or, or, or if it's falling on deaf ears or whatever that may be for you, please reach out. My, my email is in the in the chat there. I'd love to jump on a call and talk with you about it. Uh, if you're somewhat local, I, I will drive to meet you somewhere uh, for a cup of coffee or some lunch or something and talk about it. Uh, but don't let that nudging go. Don't, don't allow that to, to slip on uh, just because you're in a big group here. So, uh, Christina, can you go ahead and start getting us ready to, to bring it on home here? This is the fastest hour of my month, I swear. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe how quickly this has gone by. And I really appreciate everyone participating in the chat. Uh, we do have a few announcements that we would like to share with you. Uh, next week, we do have, uh, you heard Lamar say when he prayed us in, that we are combining the sanctuary and mission brief. This was a last minute decision. Uh, there's been something that has been brought to our attention by many of you uh, that has been concerning that has been in the media. Um, it's been a conversation um, uh, about uh, pornography and masturbation being okay. And, and, and this might be this this uh, statement was made by um, someone that is not a Christian. Um, but it's still very discerning because a lot of Christians listen to him. So I'm not going to hide who it is. It's Dennis Prager. And so there's just been a lot of concern about some of the content he's been putting out and some of the things that he has been saying. And so Jeremy would like to get on and talk about it with Lamar and address um, the Christian perspective on what he has said and what he has shared. And so we would love, love, love for men and women to come together. Uh, this is something I think uh, is very relevant. Uh, we talked about how this victim mentality uh, is, is very much prevalent in today's society. I think this goes a lot hand in hand um, with uh, why we need to have this conversation. So I encourage you to join us on Friday at noon. Uh, next Friday at noon, we will be meeting men and women. And if you can't make it, I encourage you to watch the recording, to share it on your social media because we have to be very careful with these lies that are being um, said that pornography, pornography use and, and the different things that you said that are even just crazy. Um, we need to address these things and we need to shine a light on them. And uh, we, we, we can't just uh, uh, pretend that these things are not being said. So I encourage you to come to join us in that conversation. We are also um, building up an incredible team here. Uh, we have a lot of projects, irons in the fire, but we are small in-house. I mean, we're just, there's like 12 of us here and we need to build up our team and we are looking for developers. If you know any senior web developers, anyone that has backend, frontend, full stack experience, um, architects, senior architects, those are the computer people that know how to create cool things and code. Uh, if you know anybody like that, please, uh, that has a heart to serve. We, we want people that have a heart to serve others uh, that want to join us here in Stewart. We would love the recommendation. So please reach out to me as well. So anything else, Lamar, that you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I, I just want to, uh, to say what an honor it is to, to, to share this time with you. Um, whenever we come on these meetings, um, we, we do some preparation and typically we only make it through about maybe a half to 60% of our stuff. Uh, it's just because of the overflow, uh, the things you put in the chat, uh, the things that you say in these meetings, that's what really guides these meetings. Um, and when we all focus on, on what Christ has done in our lives, uh, where we were and where we are and, and what he wants to do through us and other people. I think that we can really get focused here. We can really get some great profit sharing as leaders. And so thank you so much for joining us each month. Uh, we look forward to next month already. Um, and again, we look forward to next week. Again, that's going to be a special time. It's not the typical time for the men's mission brief, and it's not the typical time for the ladies sanctuary event. It is a noontime Eastern event uh, for the combined mission brief sanctuary. 
and uh, we'll be tackling some fantastic stuff there. So, and it's not just about what Dennis Prager said. There's lots more to follow. Um, love you guys tons. I'm going to pray us out and we'll be on our way. Thank you for the folks that brought questions to the forefront. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, God, um, you, you always exceed our expectations and, and you're rarely early. You're never late. And it seems like you're always on time. And so uh, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for um, always keeping your promise. You know, we're two or more gather. You're there and, and with us. And so, and we are in your name. And so, Lord, uh, we look to you for these answers. Um, we, we look to you for how to make us think about kingdom mindset, how to make us think about um, how not to be a victim and how you want to take on all of that old sin and shame. And when you went to the cross, we don't have to add anything else to it. Um, you can't possibly love us anymore. And we don't have to do anything to gain that love. And so, Lord, we hand those tenets over to you. It's your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. Thank you, team. Love y'all. Have a great month. We'll see you next month. Bye.